0: of the LO Gaming Podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is James, and I have some good news and some bad news. The good news, we're talking about the PS5, but the bad news is I'm going to be doing it alone. (laughs) Sadly, among all of us here on the show, I was the only one able to get a console at launch, so I made the decision that I would just share my personal impressions of the PlayStation 5, and hopefully if and when the others get their consoles, uh, we can all get together and compare notes. But until then, these are my thoughts on the PlayStation 5. So, at the time of this recording, I've had a solid 10 days with the standard disc version of the PS5. And to be clear, this is not going to be a review. I'm not quantifying any of my opinions with a score or making a head-to-head comparison to any other consoles. So, this should be taken as just an overview of my experience with the PS5 and some of its key features. And we're going to start with my thoughts on the design of the console. Okay, so I'm just going to get this out of the way. The popular opinion is that the PlayStation 5 is an ugly piece of work. Well, I'm here to tell you that those opinions are... Well, they're they're not wrong. <laughs> Whether you like the look of something or not is a completely subjective thing. So you shouldn't let my opinion sway your thoughts one way or the other. But for me, uh, I actually changed my mind about the look of the console after seeing it in person. So originally, I thought the PS5 looked fine and that everyone was just making a big deal out of nothing. But after unboxing the console, you really get to see it as it truly is. Uh, it, it's kind of like seeing a celebrity in real life walking the streets. You, you get to see them from all the wrong angles, and it reveals just the awkwardness that comes with just being a real person. And, and that's what it was like for me holding the console for the first time. Now, because I have the disc version of the PS5, I, I quickly noticed how obtuse the PS5's shape is. Uh, the, the disc drive creates a hump on one end of the PS5, making the entire console seem bulky. The digital version of the PS5 obviously doesn't have the disc drive, so It has a much sleeker look, but that's the sacrifice you make if you want to play any of your old physical PS4 games or play any 4K Blu-ray movies if you're wanting to use it for that purpose. But the problem is it's just it looks awkward and that awkwardness is only magnified when you place it next to other devices. Uh, Right now, I have it placed horizontally next to my TV, Uh, and next to the TV is a switch and a set of desktop speakers, and it just sticks out from everything else on the desk. Now, I will say the console does look better standing vertically, and I may end up doing that eventually, but not because it looks better, but because of the fact that it takes up so much space laying on its side. And I'm not joking, it is easily one of the biggest consoles ever made, if not the largest. But again, you really don't get a sense of the size of the thing until it's in your hands. But there is a reason for this. It turns out the mass of the PS5 is mostly a giant fan and cooler to keep the PS5 from becoming a gen engine uh, like the PS4. And you'll be relieved to know that the PS5 does stay very cool, and when the fan does ramp up, it only lasts for a few seconds before quieting down again. While playing graphically demanding games like Demon's Souls and Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, the PS5 stayed very quiet and didn't even heat up my room like the PS5, uh, PS4 5 ps would normally do. So if you're wondering about the noise of the PS5, yes, it is much much better. So now that we have that out of the way, uh, we can finally get to the real meat of the conversation and what everybody really wants to know about, and that is the performance of the console. And I'm very happy to say the PS5 does not disappoint in that regard. Sony made a lot of promises about the PS5 when they announced the console earlier this year. One of the biggest features touted by Sony was the speed of the PS5's SSD. And in my experience, yes, the PS5 is very fast. So fast, in fact, it takes my TV longer to switch inputs than it does for the PS5 to boot up from sleep. Uh, A funny story is I had a friend asked me what the startup sound for the ps5 was and i couldn't tell him because the only time i've heard it was when i first started it up so i honestly haven't heard it since then Uh, and that should tell you something about how fast uh, the ssd is but that speed also applies to how games load up as well Uh, games made for the ps5 load up very quickly not instantaneous but it is still very fast also the ps4 games that i tried out load up much faster on the ps5 compared to its previous gen counterpart uh, both starting up and loading into uh, game saves it's still not as fast as the games made and optimized for the ps5 hardware but it's still noticeably quicker in most ps4 games there is one caveat though Any game, whether it be for the PS4 or PS5, if it has to log into an online server of any kind, it will take a bit longer to load up, because at that point, it's more about the speed of your internet that will dictate how fast your game will load up, so just keep that in mind. As for the PS5 games I've been playing, uh, I've been jumping between the most recent Call of Duty, Black Ops Cold War. Uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Demon's Souls, and Astro's Playroom. And I'm happy to say that all of these games look and perform amazing. Both Demon Souls and Miles Morales have an option for a performance mode that gives you a steady 60 frames per second with a dynamic resolution or a cinematic mode that, lo- that locks the visuals at a full 4K resolution, but... It keeps the frame rate at 30 frames per second. Now, in the case of Spider-Man Miles Morales, you also get the the perk of real-time ray tracing, which doesn't do anything for the gameplay. But it does make a big difference in how the game looks. It really enhances the lighting details in the game. But if I'm being honest, for as amazing as ray tracing is, it'll probably mostly go unnoticed unless you're looking for it. I personally prefer the performance mode, but I will say the cinematic mode really shows you what the PS5 is capable of uh, graphically. Another worthwhile thing to mention is Call of Duty Black Ops. Uh, it has a 120 hertz mode, which means the game can run up to 120 frames per second. But I was, wasn't was able to test this because I do not have a TV or PC monitor that has an HDMI 2.1 port. And that's something that your display is going to need if you're going to get that kind of performance. Uh, if you do not have that, your games can only go up to 60 frames per second, because that's the standard uh, speed of just a regular TV. So since my TV doesn't have this, I can't tell you how it performs. But if you're curious, you can head on to the Internet and Find someone who can answer that question for you but the default display mode for black ops is set at 4k 60 frames per second with ray tracing on so that should tell you a lot about how powerful the ps5 is and what's really great is that these are just launch games In the coming years, games are only going to start looking and performing better as developers come to grips with the hardware. And that goes for both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S. Now, as far as backwards compatibility with PS4 games go, I've only really tried out two games out of the several thousand that... Sony says are compatible, but the games I played were Destiny 2 and Ghost of Tsushima. The games both worked with no problem, and Tsushima even had a performance patch added to it from the developers, bumping up the game to a rock-solid frames-per-second in true 4K resolution. And let me tell you, it, it really does look amazing. Now, there are other games that will be receiving optimization patches in the future. Uh, Days Gone, Destiny 2, and No Man's Sky are the few I know of off the top of my head. But they will be getting PS5 patches sometime soon. Another thing I find really nice is cross-generational play. So what is that? Well, cross-generational play means if a game supports it, PS5 users can play online games with PS4 users. So, for example, I was able to play Destiny 2 on my PS5 with my good buddy Eric while we... While he played on his PS4. So if you're worried about leaving your PS4 community behind, it doesn't seem like you need to worry because cross-generational play seems to work just fine on Destiny 2. But remember, this is something that each individual game has to support on its own. So make sure your game of choice supports cross-generational matchmaking for deciding to upgrade. Now, there's one game I have yet to mention, and that's because it's the game I'm the most excited about uh, for the PS5, and that is Astro's Playroom. And the reason why I'm so excited about this game is because of the new DualSense controller. That's right, the true star of the PS5 launch isn't a game or some crazy new graphical feature. It's the DualSense controller itself. Okay, so I'm going to try to explain the DualSense controller um, as clearly as I can, because... The DualSense controller does a lot of really cool things that are just very hard to describe with words. Uh, Honestly, you really do have to have your hands on it to really understand what's so special about it. But the DualSense controller was revealed months before the PS5. And right from the get-go, Sony began throwing out two key marketing terms, haptic feedback and adaptive triggers. So what are they? Well, haptic feedback is basically PlayStation's version of the HD rumble feature in Nintendo's Joy-Cons, and it works in the same way, but it's the adaptive triggers that we really have to talk about. Adaptive triggers enable game makers to literally change the tension of the L2 and R2 triggers as they see fit. But it's not just the tension. They can program the triggers to fight against you as well. And that's where Astro's Playroom comes in. Astro's Playroom is a game specifically built to showcase these two features. I mean, Sony just ripped that page right out of Nintendo's playbook and... It's brilliant. On its own, Astro's Playroom is a simple 3D platformer, but the DualSense turns it into something really special. As you play through the game, the haptic feedback is constantly sending you signals of precise vibrations that gives you the sensation of walking on or through different surfaces. Steel plates, glass, rock running through snow or sand, uh, the controller does a really good job in in conveying the feeling of walking on or through these surfaces. Paired with the built-in speaker, it makes for a really convincing sensation. And that's the strange thing about it all, is with now with haptic feedback, it actually makes that speaker in the controller relevant, where it was just kind of this Funny little gimmicky thing on the PlayStation 4, now you actually feel like the speaker has a purpose, and it really does help out in in that immersion. But really, it's the adaptive triggers that will blow your mind. During the game, you'll come across different suits that demonstrate different ways the triggers can be used. Uh, the one that most people point to is the frog suit that uses the triggers to put tension on a spring. When you push down on the triggers, you literally feel the pressure of the spr- of the triggers change from loose to tight, just like you'd feel if you were compressing a, a real spring uh, between your thumb and forefinger. But what I want to highlight is a tiny rocket ship that you jump into and fly around the game. There's a left and right jet engine and the triggers activate the rocket jets propelling you into the air. So if you press the R2 button, the right jet fires. And if you uh, press the L2 button, the left jet fires. Uh, But when you do, you don't just feel the pressure of the triggers increase. You also feel the triggers bumping Back against your fingers as the rockets thump about. And I'm not talking about simple vibrations either. These triggers can literally fight back against you. I mean, I can go on and on about how the triggers are used in this game, but I'm just amazed by the level of control developers have over how the triggers can react to different sensations. But it's not just Astro's playroom that uses the adapted triggers in call of duty black ops. The adaptive triggers are used about like what you'd expect, but it's still very cool. Normally the L two trigger raises the sights on your gun and the R two trigger fires the weapon. But with the ad- With adaptive triggers enabled, the R2 trigger simulates the actual feel of the trigger pull on a real gun. It feels especially nice when using a pistol. Uh, The L2 trigger, on the other hand, simulates the weight of the weapon, which means the larger and heavier the weapon is, the tighter the trigger becomes, making it harder to squeeze the L2 button. This is a feature I would turn off when playing multiplayer, but in the campaign mode, it really adds a lot to the immersion of the game Uh, but those are the two biggest features of the controller you know you have uh, the haptic feedback which is just really hd rumble and then you have the adaptive triggers that i just talked about but there are a few little things that the controller uh, carries over from the ps4 that that they actually have made some improvement on that are worth noting Uh, so you have the microphone and the controller it's Well, it's a microphone, uh, and it works just about how you would expect. But the touchpad on the controller is back. It's got a little bit of a bigger footprint, and it feels way more accurate than uh, on the PS4 controller. Uh, When you're actually doing the typing with uh, the touchpad, when you're sending messages or putting in passwords or searches, it actually feels a lot more like uh, what you would feel on a computer computer touchpad so big improvements there uh the same can be said about the dual senses motion controls and motion sensor inside the controller it feels way more accurate and it seems less prone to go out of um oh what's the word i'm thinking of uh calibration yeah it seems to stay calibrated uh a lot better than what the ps4 uh does i don't know maybe maybe it doesn't, but it seems a lot more accurate and stays a lot more locked in, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. But with those little things aside, uh, in the end, it's obvious the adaptive triggers take the cake. In my opinion, they are one of the most innovative things, not just in the PS5, uh, but in console gaming in general. It's pretty clear how shooters can use the feature, but the real question is, Will other developers bother to use it in other kinds of games? I personally think they will. I think the application of the adaptive triggers isn't some kind of gimmick like what motion controls and touchpads became. It's also way easier to imagine how adaptive triggers could be used to benefit actual gameplay mechanics. Racing games immediately come to mind, but what about stealth games? You're sneaking about and cracking a door open, or how about when you're Picking up and setting down items, puzzle games could be interesting as well. But most of all, I hope Kojima is working on something for this controller. Uh, I can't even imagine what kind of crazy things he'd do with these, what he would do with these features. But oh yeah, he has to be working on something for with this controller in mind. There, there's just no way he couldn't be. But but yeah, one can hope, right? But. I'm also hoping these triggers make it into the next iteration of VR controllers for the for the PlayStation VR. I mean, if they, if they can get this into VR, it would definitely increase the level of immersion in VR applications. So it's pretty clear the potential in adaptive triggers is there if developers are willing to give it a chance. And I think they will. But bottom line, you have to to try the DualSense for yourself to really get the idea of how amazing it is. So if you ever get the chance to try one out for yourself, do it. Okay, so after gushing all about the DualSense controller, I'm going to briefly go over the PS5's new user interface, or UI, as I'm going to refer to it. For those of you who are familiar with the PS4's user interface, it basically builds off of that concept. Uh, The one big difference that I noticed right away is they now have two pages separating game-related apps from media apps like Netflix and Hulu. I like this setup a lot because now you don't have every single app mixed up and cluttering your home screen all at once. Uh, the PS4 eventually fixed this problem by adding the ability to create folders to organize your apps into, but this isn't an issue on the PS5. Speaking of media apps, though, if you're interested in using the PS5 as your lone device for streaming and watching Ultra HD 4K Blu-ray discs, uh, you'll be happy to hear it'll do the job just fine. I tested Disney+, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, and all the usual suspects, and they all work just as you would expect them to. Uh, 4K Blu-ray movies work just fine as well, but you should know that the PS5 does not support Dolby Vision, uh, but that's not much of a big big deal for most people. It does support HDR HDR. 10 and uh 10 plus i believe uh so yeah it, it, it will support hdr normally but dolby vision um uh, for some reason there's just no support for it but it, it, like i said it's really not that much of a loss uh but one thing that some of you might find as a turn off though is the ps5's disk drive not to say that there's anything wrong with it but when it's Spins up it does emit a tiny hum when playing blu-ray movies you'll you'll never hear it when there is audio being played through the speakers but uh if there's a quiet moment in your movie it can be heard if you're already used to the noise of your ps4's disc drive then it shouldn't bother you but i know some of us are sensitive to that kind of thing so So just keep that in mind. Uh, Regardless, the PS5 should be more than capable of handling any of your non-gaming entertainment needs. Uh, But other than that, the PS5's UI uh, has a few new features I feel are worth noting. But most of the new additions and functions are much smaller and tucked away in the settings menu. Not to say these smaller functions aren't good, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to go over the more impactful features. One of the new features is the ability to get more detailed information on the games you're playing when you bring up uh, the PS Control menu. By pressing the PS button once, it'll bring up trophy info and other various game related details. and console functions without leaving the game. The PS5 will even offer you game hints where it's available. It's a nice addition to the UI, and as a trophy hunter myself, I do appreciate the extra help in keeping track of the trophies I'm chasing. But this also leads me to my first gripe with the UI, and it's more of an annoyance than a real complaint. On the PS4, you held the PS button down for a short time uh, to bring up the pr- the PS sub menu without leaving your game, and you pressed it once to take you to the home screen. Well, they reversed this process for the PS5, and it's really messing with my head. I know I'll get used to it eventually, but right now it's just really annoying and. In the end, it really doesn't mean anything at all. But yeah, it it gets to me. But another big feature is something uh, I find fairly fairly cool, actually. Uh, I think it's called screen sharing, I think is what they call it. But anyway, what it is, it's if you're in a party with a friend and you're playing two different games, you can stream a live feed of your game to the other's TV screen. uh, So you can see what the other is doing while you're playing your own game. So that means you can watch each other's games while you're playing your own. That probably sounds super confusing, but trust me, it's a really cool concept. It's a feature that I I, I haven't tried myself, so I can't really say if it works well or even if my internet is fast enough to run it but it's a feature I can see a lot of players making use of Um and also I think they could probably use it to cheat a little bit too but <laughs> I don't know we'll see where that goes but um yeah I think that's a, it's a really cool feature and I would like to try it sometime but I think it's only available between two PS5s I don't think you can do that between a PS5 and a PS4 Uh, I don't think that works at all, but anyway, but those are the biggest of the new additions in the UI. But like I said, there are many smaller functions tucked away in the settings menu as well. Uh, But I'll let you find those for yourself. Lastly, I'd like to address some mm, concerning news. As some of you may have heard, there are reports out there about PS5s breaking down or getting errors that force the system to factory factory reset or reconstruct the database. I've I've even heard reports of people losing save data after putting their PS5s in rest mode from within a game this doesn't seem to be a widespread thing yet, but it is something that is going on. Thankfully, this hasn't happened to me and hopefully it never will, but it's something that I think warrants mentioning. Um, hopefully it's going to get fixed in a patch or some future update sooner than later. But, uh, until then, I think, I think it's something that you need to know about before. Um, before you decide to plop down 500 bucks on a uh, on a new console but but yeah just keep that in mind So, in a nutshell, what do I think of the PS5? Well, so far, I'm loving it. I feel very blessed to have one, and I'm really enjoying the speed of the console, and I'm just marveling at how good some of the games look. Demon's Souls especially looks crazy good. Uh, A friend and I were talking about it, and we both were like... Finally, games are beginning to look like the conceptual CGI demos that developers would show at E3. And they would say, oh yeah, this is real gameplay. Yeah, you can trust us on that one, but it was just a fake cinematic. But yes, we are finally getting there. And so lastly, should you buy one? Well, if you can find one and you want it, Yes, go for it. But if you're on the fence for any reason at all, then no, you're you're really not going to be missing anything that won't won't be there later. And like the error error thing I was telling you about earlier, I mean, if that kind of scares you a little bit, then by all means, wait. I mean, that's why. Uh, I mean, that's just the risk that I take as an early adopter. And I might actually have the problem, or I might not have the problem. But if you wait, it'll get fixed, and then you can rest assured that after you plop down your hard-earned cash, that your system's going to work, and it's going to work perfectly. So, there's that to think about. So, there is wisdom in waiting. (sighs) Okay, and that's it those have been my thoughts on the ps5 and if you made it this far thanks for listening and i hope you found what i had to say informative and helpful in some way or another as always my name is james and hopefully you'll come back and join us next time for the next episode of the hello gaming podcast